This is Women's Tech Radio, a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they're successful in technology careers. I'm Paige. And I'm Angela. So, Angela, I wanted to know, um, what was your first blog? My first blog was LiveJournal. I started it in high school, but uh, to be fair, well, I graduated as a junior, right? I did my junior, senior year in one. So I graduated as a junior. And so most of the content on that live journal was after I moved out into my first apartment when I was 17. And it talks all about, you know, <laughs> just random teenage rants, you know, like, but also my neighbor tried to commit suicide by overdosing and was running around in the mud and the rain and ended up collapsing on our couch. And the paramedics came and like they found the note to her son and like it was really sad and really horrible. But um, I think that was the last post that I put on there, but it only had like five posts, but that was my first experience with LiveJournal <laughs> yeah. and with any kind of blog. From what I remember of LiveJournal, that seems very LiveJournal-y. Yes, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, that was, that was I was really just dabbling in it and it was kind of cool, but uh, yeah, meh. LiveJournal was probably one of those the first blogging services, really. I think so. Yeah. What did you use? Uh, okay, so I've never really been like a sharer per uh-huh. se. Uh, so I I only got into blogging like probably two years ago, and I wrote a blog um, for like I don't know, probably six months. Um, and I liked I like I was trying to share because I was traveling around the country at that point, um, living out of an RV, and I was trying to kind of share a little bit of that experience and like what I was doing to really push myself and kind of move forward in my life after uh, after getting divorced and uh, trying to kind of make a make a lot of career moves and everything so I was trying to capture that but uh I'm just not someone who can I never even as a kid never kept a journal or anything like that so mm-hmm. it turned out to just not work well with me although I really enjoy having a podcast to talk on a lot more than that right <laughs> which podcast is that no, <laughs> this one, yeah, this one. <laughs> okay so today we talked to Erica Meltzer yeah, and she uh, is the founder of LadyLovesCode.com and also is a support agent at Campaign Monitor. And she talks about um, kind of becoming a support agent and like how it was to transition into that field and growing up not being really into technology and everything. Um, but that was our chat. Mm-hmm. And before we get into the full interview, which is awesome, by the way, I'd like to tell you about Ting. If you go to WTR.Ting.com, you can check and see how much money you're going to save on a monthly basis by switching to Ting. And it turns out they're going to have a very large GSM network come on board with them. And that means even more devices can be brought to them and you can have a $25 credit for any device that you bring forward um, onto their service. But also, they want to give away two GSM cards to our audience. So if you email WTR at jupiterbroadcasting.com with the subject line, I love team, we will give away two GSM cards per show. And it's really cool because Ting doesn't have any kind of contract or early termination fee. So there's really low risk to trying this. It's a $6 a month charge uh, for the flat rate. And then you just pay for what you use. So if you're stuck in a contract where you're paying $40 a month or $50 a month just for data, I'm telling you, your bill probably won't exceed that for even the first year on a monthly basis. I guess it's a really good deal. So go over to wtr.team.com and sign up. And if you're interested in being on board with them as they launch their GSM network, you could win your free GSM card. So don't forget to email us. And we started off talking to Erica 
by asking her to explain a little bit about herself and what she does. I work at Campaign Monitor, which is an email marketing platform. But my path to kind of get there was a really long and non-linear one. Um, I guess when I first was introduced to technology in general, it was, you know, when I was 10 or 11 years old, my dad brought home a computer that nobody really knew how to use and that there wasn't really a whole lot to be done with it, right? I mean, at least not for a 10-year-old. So it was mostly just chat rooms, at least as far as I was aware. And so there wasn't really much to do um, you know, with a computer or online, at least for me at the time. And so even though I took a lot of interest in that computer and I would like play with the settings and, and I went and figured out how to download little audio files and change so that like if there was an error on the computer, Eric Cartman from South Park would like pop up and say something weird or <laughs> you know, just silly kind of things like that. I, like I took an interest in the computer itself, but I didn't know what to do with it. And I had kind of that stereotypical idea of what a computer person is. You know, I knew one one guy in my life who was like that. Uh, it was my childhood babysitter's son. He was about 10 years older than I was, so he was like 20 at the time. And he was like that, you know, guy that stayed up super late drinking Mountain Dew, like playing with his computer and had four different monitors and, you know, Mountain Dew <laughs> bottles all around. And that's kind of what I thought of as being somebody who was like a programmer. And so I never really did anything with technology until I guess it was probably when like the social media thing happened a few years ago. And I was even kind of late to that game. Like I didn't even have a MySpace page until like the end of 2005, which I think is pretty late. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know MySpace was around in 2005. Really? Oh, no. Well, no, like the other way around. Like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. I only made my profile like not even a year before everybody just kind of migrated over to Facebook. Like people were already starting to do that by the time I made my first uh, MySpace page. But what MySpace did do that that Facebook wouldn't have is it gave me the opportunity to um, mess with HTML to make like to pimp out that MySpace page, you know? Right. And so that, and I think a lot of people have been introduced to coding in that way. Honestly, a lot of the girls that I've spoken to, that was their first introduction to any sort of coding at all. Yeah. I know we had at least one interview who, where they were like, that was how they got started too. So you're not the only one. Yeah. And so it kind of sparked that thing again, where I was kind of interested in computers, but I still didn't really know what, if anything, to do with it. I certainly didn't look at it as any kind of a career option. And um, but since I had gained, you know, these kind of skills, even though they weren't particularly impressive, when somebody needed something, a person that I knew, you know, had a business idea and needed to build a website, they would kind of come to me and I would just teach myself how to make that happen. And so I, like I built Joomla websites and then eventually WordPress websites. And then when it really happened for me was a couple of years ago after my daughter was born. She's two years old now. But when she was first born and I was about to go back to work after my maternity leave, I applied for two jobs. And one of them was for like a relationship building kind of sales job. And the other was for a customer support kind of tech support job at an email marketing company, not the one I work for now. And this one was based in Dayton, Ohio, and they were offering to pay me like $12,000 less than this other job, but I took it anyway hmm. because I had the sense, even though I didn't see myself still as a technical person, I, just, I had no desire really to work 
you know, with computers or be a programmer or anything like that yet, I did get the sense that this job would introduce a whole new field um, for me and that I could kind of leverage that later on to get jobs at much cooler places than I had previously been working. Like the other job, for, for example, was um, serve pro. So like if your basement floods, they would come and clean up, mm-hmm. you know, that mess. And I thought, well, if I go and take this email marketing company uh, job, even though it's not a particularly, you know, big or hip company and it's in Dayton, Ohio, I could potentially leverage that for a completely different kind of job than I've ever done before. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Eight months later, I found by accident the campaign monitor job, which was also an email marketing company, and I applied for it, being certain that I would not get the job. And I did. Why, why were you certain that you wouldn't get the job, even though you were coming from an, an email marketing company? Well, because it is very much one of those cool kind of startup companies. You know, they've got the private chef and everybody who works for them seems so interesting and talented and completely different from me, from anything that I'd ever done or any place that I've ever worked. They're based in Australia and they were going to, first of all, they were going to pay me like triple what I was making in the same kind of job, which seemed wow. crazy mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it was, it was very exciting and I, I hoped that it would happen, but I just, I don't know. I didn't think that it was going to, I figured that they would hi- hire somebody, you know, super interesting from San Francisco or something, you know? <laughs> and, um, now I'm kind of that person they've hired me and I've been to Australia and I've since moved to Seattle and I'm learning to pro it's really changed my life in ways that I, I can't even tell you. Yeah. So it was like the, you didn't feel like you were cool enough to get the job. It, it kind sounds of. like you had the, <laughs> or, the skills. Or maybe not that she wasn't cool enough, but that the job was too cool. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like everything about it. Yeah. It sounds like, um, like applying to Google almost, you know, cause they have exactly. such a cool, um, atmosphere and like, how would I fit into that? And, you know, and nobody, well, you never think that you'll get that job. I, I totally get that. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt like. And that's what I described it to people as. And I'll tell you, my family, when they heard about it, they they thought I was going to be forced into sex slavery or forced to smuggle drugs back to the States. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. It was was for remote work. So I was going to be working from home and they needed my bank account information to deposit, you know, thirty five hundred dollars so I could buy my computer and get my tech set up already. And they're like, this is bad news. Like, there's no way they're going to pay you this much right. money Scam. and fly you to Australia. <laughs> yep. And there, I couldn't even defend against it, really, because I'm like, yeah, it does sound really bad. <laughs> but, Did you open a separate bank account? <laughs> like no, a, I didn't, because okay. I knew that it yeah. was legitimate. I okay, knew good. that it was. Campaign Monitor is a huge company. Yeah. Exactly. And I had already been working in that industry, and I was very familiar with what they were doing. They're mm-hmm. super reputable all over the Internet. They're, I mean, they have an impeccable reputation. So, like, I knew that what I was doing was okay. But it was really hard to convince other people of that. So quick, what time is it in Australia? I have no idea. It's, I use world time. It's seven twenty-five. <laughs> Good job. No, actually, you know what? I lied. It's three. It's minus three, except in the future. So it's actually no. It's one twenty-six tomorrow. T- oh, yeah. Tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Right. You've totally. Yeah, I just uh, get on world time, buddy. Or even easier, I just kind of use um, a group Google calendar. And so they put something in, in their time and it shows up in my time and I don't even have to think about it. Right. Well, what's crazy about Australia and New Zealand is that they, I can't remember if they don't do daylight savings or they do, but sometimes a year they're only three hours behind in the future. Um, and sometimes they're five. So right now they're three and that's how I know it's minus three right now, but because we have a worldwide audience. So, so I talked to quite a few people in that area 
surprisingly. Yeah, I work with people all day who are in Australia and in all parts of um, North America. We have people in Canada and we've got people, we have a lot of people in Portland and in Seattle, but there are lots of others who are in, you know, San Francisco or um, New York. And then we have a whole team that, you know, the company's headquartered in Sydney. So, mm-hmm. so you're a support agent for end users or for, for what, who is your, who are you a, a support agent for? At campaign ma- monitor? Well, two things. Our primary customer originally was um, designers who are reselling campaign monitor to their clients. So like if you're, you're a web designer and your customers are coming to you or your clients, I should say, are coming to you and saying, hey, will you like deal with our email? Because who knows how to do that, right? Um, we wanted to give them a tool because our founders were designers who were having that same problem. Their customers were coming to them and saying, here, you know, handle our email marketing, design our email newsletters, which they hated doing. Um, they didn't like any of the tools that were out there to do it. And so they developed one for themselves. And then it wasn't long before that tool was outselling this other service that they built it for. And so they just kind of stuck with that. And so that's what our customers are. They're mostly designers who are reselling campaign monitor, but there are plenty you know, of direct customers who are buying it for themselves. So are you familiar with MailChimp? I am. Is, and that's one of your direct competitors then? Or yeah, not? for sure. Yes? Okay, yeah. Okay, because we've yeah. dabbled with MailChimp, but I've kind of stopped in the whole newsletter thing at this point. But that, that makes a little more sense to me. Yeah, a lot of designers painful, sure. really hate it. I mean, it's, you know, email clients don't behave in the way that a browser does. And there are so many rules that are different about how you would design an email campaign versus like a, you know, a website. Um, you know, for one thing, you have to use tables still. which is That is always the standout, isn't it? Yeah, which is a pain. And Outlook is like the most popular email client on the planet. And it's awful. Your, mm-hmm. your campaigns look terrible in Outlook typically, unless they've been designed specifically not to look terrible in Outlook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so web designers do typically hate dealing with email. Yeah, I do not enjoy it myself. Yeah, no, it's not a lot of fun. And so that was kind of their thinking when they developed Campaign Monitor was like, let's take our design experience and kind of build this platform that will take all that stuff into consideration for these people. And they can just use our builder and build the thing and be done with it. So you're a sport agent right now, but you mentioned that you're learning to code. I am. And... Yeah, I wish I had found it so much sooner. I feel like my brain works very much like a computer, that that computer mm-hmm. programming. And I don't know how to articulate this well, but it comes very naturally to me. I feel like, you know, whether it's JavaScript or Ruby, I feel like things tend to work kind of the way I would expect them to. Like, I don't find it a difficult thing to learn. And I, I really enjoy it. And I find it really rewarding to, like, make my computer do things. And I just wish that I had discovered it a long time ago. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the way that computers think that logic seems to fit well with my brain is totally why I fell in love with computing, like programming stuff. Mm-hmm. What What are you using to learn um, programming? Are you self-teaching? Are you taking a course? I am teaching myself. I did take a front-end course, which was really more for work. Um, I took a, a like a boot camp course at General Assembly here in Seattle, um, and that is about to wrap up, actually. But um, I'm really just teaching myself, you know, I'm using... Uh, books, well-grounded Rubyist is one that I really like, and um, the Zed Shaw Learn Code the Hard Way um, series. I like those, although I haven't used the the Python one. I, I've I've just done the um, command line crash course and the Ruby one, and I'm watching a ton of YouTube videos and reading every single thing I can. And I've done the Code Academy or Code Academy. Uh, is it Code Academy or Code Academy? It's Code Academy. 
It's okay. Codecademy. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I do it all the time. I've been doing it's, it in the show notes wrong then. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like it's Code Academy and they cut out the extra A for some reason. I think for a, when they first launched it was Code Academy, but um, their website really? has always been Code Academy. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's well, yeah, it's spelled like Code Academy, but I guess if you went ahead and pronounced that E, it could be like Code Academy. Yeah, it's true. But yeah. I agree. They're, they're a fantastic beginning resource. Yes, I'm doing all of those things. Everything I can get my hands on. I just can't. I can't do enough. I, I love it so much. So when you ask, what am I doing to learn it? Like everything. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Actually, one of our show's previous sponsors just uh, launched a Ruby course. If you want to check it out, it's actually Linux Academy and now has a Ruby course. And they have a pretty neat like self-planning tool where you can say, I've got this much time. And so it plans out a lesson plan for you with this much time, like recommended each week and whatnot. Yeah, I'll absolutely check that out. Yep. And if you look at one of the episodes, I don't know, I can't remember which numbers they were. There's a, a code where you can get a discount. Yeah. Um, and right now, Coder Radio, which is another Jupiter Broadcasting show, is sponsored by them. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yep, so either there. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, the the support role that I'm in, it, it, you know, it is a support role. And I know that, you know, a lot of times um, that's not like... I mean, it isn't. It's not like a real like coding job. However, because of this specific kind of field that I'm in providing support, I actually get a lot of coding experience at work because, you know, I'm helping these customers work out problems with their HTML and their CSS and with their media queries. And, you know, even something as simple as segmenting their list, ultimately, those are like conditional statements that that I'm working with. And I didn't know that, you know, I, I know it now that I'm learning to program, but I've been working with these programming principles for a really long time now. So if you're saying, you know, I want to send this campaign to any customer that has this particular value in this particular field, like that's, those are things that I'm learning now. And I I understand why it's built that way. And so I'm actually getting quite a bit of coding experience in this, in this job. Great. And did you want to give a plug to ladies or lady loves code? Yeah. Um, that, started as a personal blog that I, I feel like I learn a lot through writing and resharing. So I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt like I wanted to just kind of, even if only for myself, kind of write down the things that I was learning as I was learning them and give myself kind of a reason to keep learning. Like if I have this blog that I have to feed content to, then I have to be constantly researching. Like I'm kind of holding myself accountable for mm-hmm. continuing to learn. And then as I was doing that, I decided that I wanted to turn it into more of a real community, which is really hard, by the way. I thought it was going to be easier and I was going to make this forum and people were just going to start posting things there. And that isn't happening yet. <laughs> it's yep. a little bit harder mm-hmm. than I gave it credit for. But, um, I'm, you know, I'm not in it to, like, be popular or anything. I just want the thing to be there for, you know, for people who need it. So I feel like, you know, if there's this big gender gap in technology and we want girls like I was, you know, when I was 15 years old to know that, that they have a seat at the table in, you know, the tech space, then we need to be making ourselves visible. And if we want those girls to actually learn to code and fill all these tech jobs that are going to be opening up over the next few years, we need to make resources available to them and make sure that they have a place where they can ask questions to feel comfortable because I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm pretty new. And I think that like Stack Overflow is super intimidating. Some of those guys are like jerks and I would be really uncomfortable asking a question there if I felt like it might be a stupid question. And so I I just want there to be kind of a safe place where specifically females can post questions and, and feel like they are not a minority. Yep. 
No, I understand all of that because as a mom, I started a mommy blog and and it was mainly like it was for me to capture things that were going on and but also let other people know you're not alone, you know? Like I go through these things too. And and I was hoping to have some kind of a community around it as well, but it didn't really work out and and I haven't kept myself accountable once uh like I think it was it's been about 2 years since I've been able to to blog, but I'm hoping to get back into it. But I understand everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, so um I'm hoping that, you know, things will start to be posted there in the forum. That's kind of the thing that I'm most excited about. Uh, you know, as far as the the website goes, I, I'm really hoping that that will start to build up, and over time it will. I mean, I just launched that website like a week ago, so it's not it hasn't been a long time or anything. But but yeah, I'm hoping that that will grow and actually be a, a resource where people can go and ask a question and you know get an answer. That <laughs> there will actually be people there that are active. I'm hoping that that will be the case, but. Uh, primarily, I just want it to be kind of a no jerks allowed. You're absolutely welcome to ask, you know, even a, a very basic question. I think that the, that it's important to have that if we're asking all these new people and especially women to start to learn to code to fill these jobs. They need to have a resource where they can do that because most of them, realistically, are not going to be able to go to a boot camp. They're very exclusive. They're very expensive. They're very time consuming. Parents would have a very difficult time. You know, going to a boot camp. So a lot of these people are going to be teaching themselves, and so I think it's important that they have ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's just ladylovescode.com. Yes. Very, very easy. And your website is very easy to follow. Forms right at the top. The blog's there, and uh, you even have resources. So that yeah, it's really great. The forum is at ladylovescode.com/community, and there are a few there are a few topics posted there. Um, there aren't very many there yet, but. Yeah, if anybody is listening and you're a female coder and you like the idea of a safe place for female coders to be able to ask questions and answer questions, go and introduce yourself in the forum. I would absolutely love to see you there. Yep, Paige and I will go do that. We see that you have already added under coding podcasts, Women's Tech Radio. I did. That is awesome. I think it's the first one. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. That is awesome. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been listening to all of the episodes. I really enjoy them. Okay, cool. Great. And I think you have a podcast that you're doing now too, right? I am. I'm still working out the kinks a little bit, (laughs) but, but, uh, but yeah, I'll be doing that every week, interviewing different people. Um, I have a guy coming on, his name is Jake from Dev Prentice. It's, um, teaching children eight to 12, um, how to code, um, will be on next week. And then the following week I am having somebody, I'm not sure who yet on from, um, the campaign Let Toys Be Toys. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I'm very excited to talk to them about kind of the problem with the pink aisle and how that relates to the lack of women in tech. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting discussion. I can't wait to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Erica, this has been a fantastic chat. Is um, I just wanted to ask one more question for you. Sure. Um, so I always like to see what gets you fired up right now in technology is there some sort of wearable device is there a new programming language that you're really excited about that sort of thing um honestly and this is maybe a boring answer to this question i'm just really really excited about um the approachability of tech in general changing and i've touched on that a little bit during this interview but like i said i really didn't know i'm a relatively tech savvy person And even I didn't know until a couple of years ago that this was even remotely an option for me as a career or that I would be good at it or that I would like it. Or so fast, right? Right. And so I'm very, very excited about 
projects like Made With Code, you know, letting girls know that all of the things that they love, the normal everything, everyday things that they're touching and that they're using involve coding and that they might like to do that. I'm very excited about things like Hour of Code. I'm excited that my sons are coming home and saying to me that they coded with Angry Birds at school today. I'm just very, very excited that it's getting out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women's Tech Radio. If you would like to see the show notes, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and find Women's Tech Radio there. There's also a contact form. You can drop down and email the show directly. You can also follow us on Twitter at HeyWTR and find us on iTunes. If you want to leave a review there, we'd love to see them. You can also check out our blog on heywtr.tumblr.com.